You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Both Father Brady and myself are going to be doing what's called catechetical homilies during Advent. They're going to be explaining the Mass and where it comes from in both Scripture and the tradition. There's four Sundays in Advent, and there's four parts of the Mass. The first part is called the introductory rites, from processing in, kissing the altar, all the way to the opening collet, uh, let us pray. Right? The priest opens his hands, and it finishes right before the first reading. And so these homilies will be more informative in their nature. I wish to begin by stating a quote from a man called G.K. Chesterton, known as the Apostle of Common Sense. He said, before you tear down a wall, first find out why it was built. The items used for mass must be excellent. They must be beautiful. In the Old Testament and the temple sacrifice, nothing can be defective. God would not accept it. It shows God that we actually care about our worship. And it helps us to not fall into the mindset of me giving God my last fruits rather than our first fruits. I want you to think, whenever we think about the Mass, something to help us, the ceremony of the changing of the guard in Washington, D.C., of the unknown soldier. Do you know about this? It's the unknown soldier, an immensely solemn, probably the most solemn event in our entire nation. If you've ever seen it, you know. The perfection is not only expected, but required for that solemn event. Not because they think that the unknown soldier will wreak havoc on them, but because the sacrifice of those unknown soldiers demands our absolute best. Every action is defined in that event. Every piece of clothing is pristine. Absolute reverence and respect is demanded, not only by the soldiers themselves, but by everyone in attendance. That was for the sacrifice of the unknown soldiers. How much more should we have that reverence for God because of the sacrifice he made of himself? For us. Why does Father move like that? Why is everything so strict? And that's why. Because absolute reverence. Much of the rubrics from the Mass come from both the book of Exodus and Revelation. Exodus, because that's where God was giving instructions to not only how to build the temple, but also how to offer sacrifice. And then the book of Revelation, because that's where St. John pierces into heaven. And guess what he sees? A mass. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? It's one big mass. And so, heaven is mass. If mass is boring to you, that either means that 
I am doing a terrible job at offering the Mass, or you haven't yet learned how to pray the Mass. Hopefully these homilies can help you. The structure of the Mass was solidified by the fourth century. That's in the year 300s. The preparations for the Mass represent the hidden life of Christ in the home of Nazareth, those first 30 years before his last three years of ministry. When you all come to Mass, you may not be privy to all the things that we do before. Not only the preparations by the priest, but by many of you. The preparations from our altar servers who practice, the preparations of our choir who rehearses, the preparations of our sacristans who not only put out the vestments and clean the linens, but much more. Our vestments recall Ephesians chapter 4, which St. Paul says, put off your old nature and put on the new nature, the likeness of God. The vestments originated in the Old Testament when the Hebrews were delivered from the power of Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 28, you can read about the beautiful vestments that they were required to wear, even pomegranates hanging from them. You know, I remember as a kid saying to myself, why does the priest wear all those fancy clothes? If I were a priest, I would just wear jeans and a t-shirt, let the, let the people know I was really one of them. Of course, I said this in my ignorance. As I learned, I understood. The vestments of, that a priest wear, a deacon wears, these were fixed in stone by the year 300. Uh, echoing back to the Old Testament. Like, for instance, the amice. It's a white garment that a priest puts on first around his neck. Each vestment has a prayer for it. The prayer for this one, for the neck, is a prayer that Satan may not enter his thoughts, that the priest will not get distracted during Mass, that he'll have a singular mindset. How many people say, I get so distracted during Mass? Well, the, that vestment, that prayer helps the priest. It also recalls in Luke chapter 22, when the priest of the veiling, Jesus was struck. Everything in the Mass should remind us of the crucifixion of our Lord. The alb is this long white garment that the priest wears. Uh, it reminds us of our baptismal garments, that long white of garment of innocence. Of course, the priest, he wears black to symbolize his closeness to those who suffer. But when Mass begins, he puts on white to symbolize, hopefully, us all going into heaven, the garment of righteousness. There's many styles of owls, huh? some with no lace, some with a little, some with a lot. Uh, there's no real rule on it. The idea, rule of thumb, is during penitential seasons when we wear violet, it's little to no lace, and then when it's uh, white or gold, kind of break out the nice stuff. Uh, you break out the, the fine china for that one. Uh, the cincture is a rope that's tied around the priest's waist. It reminds us of Jeremiah chapter 1 when we pray that prayer for chastity. 
a priest should be perfectly chaste. But in humility, the priest recognizes that he needs to continually pray and remain faithful by God's grace. The stole is the preeminent sign of the priesthood. It's the spiritual authority of God. It represents Christ the judge, and that's why we wear it in confession. Christ is a judge. He judges. But that stole that we wear is overthrown by the last vestment. It's overshadowed by the chasuble, representing charity and mercy. God's judgment is shrouded in his mercy. It hangs in the front and the back, representing the twofold kinds of love, the love of God and love of neighbor. There's many types and colors of chasubles. I'm not going into it. For another day. Now we begin with the procession in. When we process in, we remember the procession of the Hebrews for 40 years in the desert, or our Lord's procession into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday, or our Lord's procession on the way of the cross. The procession to the altar signifies that we're on our way home to heaven like the Hebrews being led by Moses in the Old Testament. The candles that flank the crucifix that we possess in remind us of the pillar of fire that the Hebrews followed in the desert in Exodus chapter 13, or our Lord's admonition in Luke chapter 12 when he says, let your loins be girded and your lamps burning in your hands. When the priest arrives at the altar, Everyone is standing and singing, just like in Revelation chapter 7, when they greet Christ. The priest puts his hands on the altar and kisses it, because the altar represents Christ. He embraces Jesus, who is the cornerstone, the stone rejected by the builders. Each altar should have a relic of a martyr in it, because the priest shows with a kiss of love reverence for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we may inherit the faith. Whenever we use incense at Mass, this is taken from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let my prayer rise up to you, O Lord, like a sweet-smelling incense, Psalm 140. The incense altar in the temple, in Exodus, Chronicles, Leviticus, incense is one of the gifts brought to Jesus at his, at his birth. In Revelation chapter 5 and 8, the angels use incense in heavenly worship. The church, the bride of Christ, wants us to worship as heaven worships. And so the coals represent our sacrifice and the incense, our prayers rising up to God from our sacrifice. Then we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The sign of the cross is the most ancient symbol of our faith. It's an essential prayer of every Catholic. We begin and end every prayer with it. And so when you do make the sign of the cross, remember 
that we get to heaven by the cross and no other way. Remember our Lord crucified. The penitential act, I confess to Almighty God, to you, my brothers and sisters, we stand before the altar striking our breasts just like in Luke chapter 18 when the publican was in the temple saying, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We strike our breasts three times, representing the three types of sin, both in my thoughts, my word, and my deed. You know, the book of the Diadect, the Diadect is actually the most ancient uh, text we have. It is written by the 12 apostles on the teaching of the Catholic faith. It's not in scripture, but it's the Diadect written by the 12 apostles. In the Diadect, it says, assemble on the Lord's day and offer the Eucharist, but first make your confession of your faults so that your sacrifice may be a pure one. After the penitential act, we go to the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Of course, invoking the Trinity, the mercy of God, and then from there, we immediately go, not this season, but during every other season, we sing the Gloria, the hymn of praise. My natural reaction to receiving God's mercy is that I sing his praise. And this hymn is taken from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first words, glory to God in the highest, was what the angels sang whenever delivering the message to the shepherds that announced the birth of the Messiah. This hymn was formulated by St. Hilary of Poitier in the year 350. This hymn of praise dates from the earliest days of the church and is intoned by the angels themselves. Finally, the collect. The collect, let us pray. It's called the collect because it, does, it sums up all the desires of the faithful for the Mass. If you want to know what we're praying for in the Mass, listen to the Collect. Um, all our individual prayers coming together into one body of Christ. The hands are raised, just like Moses in Exodus or Solomon in the temple when he built the, king, when he built the temple in the Book of Kings. Now, during Advent, me and Father Brady will be explaining where the Mass comes from, both in Scripture and tradition. You can re-listen to our homilies on our website or Spotify or Apple Music or wherever y'all listen to stuff. This was part one, what we call the introductory rites. And I wish to end the same way I began. The Mass is much more than the invention of today. It's the crown jewel passed down from every generation, from the Hebrew people to Jesus himself. It's our job not to reinvent the mass. It's our job to pass on what was handed on. And so, before you tear down a wall, you should first find out why it was built.